dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Leaders are those who make a difference. But making a difference requires having a vision. What was the vision inside of St. Peter? What was driving him as he led the church? Understanding and getting a glimpse into God's purpose for St. Peter, we can better understand the role of vision in our own lives as leaders and how we can capture it. Hi everybody, so glad to be back with you again. And I just love doing this uh, study with you on St. Peter in he, as a leader. We know him as an apostle. We know him as a, uh, a friend of Christ. Sometimes we have a vision of Peter as kind of being, I don't know, the one that always seems to put his foot in his mouth or something like that. But really our vision of Peter that's out there most of the time in the church is really truncated. That is that everyone just thinks, well, he's the one that kind of said silly things like he would be with our Lord always. And then he, you know, failed him in, within, within the very night, the cock would crow three times. And that's because we don't read our Bibles, everybody. Let's just be honest. If you read your Bible, you would see St. Peter for what he is, the first leader of the Roman Catholic Church and the Christian body and a very good leader at that. Matter of fact, I think that if we looked at him as an example that God put forth in Scripture for us of what leadership is, we might learn how to be better leaders ourselves. I mean, from the very first day at Pentecost, when you take a look at, at Acts chapter 2, and the Holy Spirit comes down upon the apostles and Mary in the upper room, you notice right away just how strong and how bold Peter's proclamation is. He steps forward and speaks the message that is in his heart and on his heart, and he does it in an incredibly persuasive way. 3,000 men convert just that day upon hearing St. Peter. So, you know, right off the bat, you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, Peter, he tried hard, you know. 3,000 men converted right away. This guy was no, you know, lightweight. And that means that then he had to govern those 3,000 men and then their wives and their children. He had to bring a community together. He had to make decisions. He had to overcome factions. He had to set down policy for how things would flow. And there was nothing I had of him to do it by. I mean, it's not, it's not even like, what's, what's his model going to be? You know, I guess he's going to take the synagogue. He's going to take the temple. He's going to take Judaism. He's going to take the way that their community is organized there. And he does. The Jewish roots of Christianity. And you see a lot of it even in the way things happen today, the kinship between Christianity and Judaism. Well, it became evident and it was part and parcel also of the structure of the church and the way that the church operated because that's what Peter chose to do. And the 12, the other apostles, of course, they had a part of it. 
but it was with Peter's authority and with Peter having to make decisive decisions at different points. Like, do we allow Gentiles to be converted or not? You know, a lot of people then say, oh, St. Paul, St. Paul's the Gentile converter. I agree, of course. It's even right there in Acts. You go to the Gentiles, I'll stay with the Jews. We'll stay with the Jews here. You know what I mean? So Paul was sent off to the Gentiles. But let's never forget that the Gentiles didn't start converting until St. Peter baptized the very first one, Cornelius and his household, who converted by Peter's preaching. And we're told by God, so St. Peter was the one who let Gentiles in. And then he had to go back to, to the apostles and actually convince them, Acts chapter 12, that this was a good idea. And, and, and the other apostles were convinced, as were the Christian leaders in Jerusalem who were there. But they had to be convinced. They were like, what is going on? How could you let the Gentiles in? And then they weren't really easily, e e that easily convinced. Let's remember that. Because they were convinced in Acts 12, they're all so happy. But by Acts 15, they're coming back down and telling Paul's converts that they would not be saved unless they followed the full Mosaic law. And once again, it's St. Peter who comes up and after much debate, it says, where St. Peter decides, no, we're going to let them in. Guys, like, th when you really reflect upon what's going on here, you have to understand and recognize Peter is a leader who had to make black and white, left or right, east or west decisions that would shape the course of the church forever. What was his vision? What was guiding him? Where did Peter come up with this stuff? <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's a, and you wonder, it's like you know, when you come up with great ideas, and everyone looks at you and says, where are you getting this from, right? Like, you know, it's, it's so hard to be a visionary because when you're a visionary, and you have to be one if you're a leader, so that's why it's so hard to be a leader because what you're doing is you're saying, I see where to go, and either you see it with me or you don't. And a lot of the times, people don't. And when they don't, and the going gets tough and you start to hit bumps in the road, everyone around you will sit there and say that you made a mistake. And when you say, no, you know what? This is really the way to go. They'll call you hard-headed. They did the same thing to the apostles. Peter had to fight for some of his ideas. He had to move, he had to move the opinions of those around him because he was sure of it. Take a look at, at, you know, in Acts chapter 10, when St. Paul comes back. St. Paul is, you know, converted. He saw the persecutor, becomes Paul the apostles, apostle, comes to Jerusalem, you know, a, a short while after his conversion. And no one in Jerusalem will accept Paul. They are all afraid of him. So no one will take him into the Christian community. Do you know who takes him in? Simon Peter. Barnabas brings Paul, brings Saul at that point to see Peter and the 12 apostles. And, 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 when, and when he does this, this is what allows St. Paul to be accepted by the whole Christian community. 
Well, 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 who was it that thought that that was a good idea? Maybe not everybody, because it says shortly after that, St. Paul goes out and starts to try to convert everybody, as he's really good at doing. And what happens? That his life becomes, is put in jeopardy. And so, wow, you know, that, that sounds like an amazing thing. But the Christians got together and sent him back to Tarsus. You know, so it's kind of like, was that a great idea to take St. Paul in? Absolutely. We all see that now. But at the time, people were kind of like, you know what? We'll give him a shot. And now he's going to be killed again. We're going to send him back to Tarsus. We don't know what to do with him. And that's exactly what St. Paul does. He goes back to Tarsus. There's times in our lives as leaders where we have to accept that our vision is not seen. And this is a hard thing because the vision is what drives us as a leader. And yet when those around us don't see the vision and call it into question, what do we do? Sacred Scripture has a lot to teach us and encourage us with. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. All right, so as we dive into this understanding of Peter, the visionary leader, and how he lived out his vision, I want to start us with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same Spirit to be truly wise, and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so all of us are here because we want to become better leaders. Right? We, and not just that we want to become better leaders, that we know that God wants us to become better leaders. It's one thing to be in charge of a team or in charge of a business or in charge of a project or in charge of a family, right? And it's another thing to, to think of yourself as being in charge of that team, job, business, family, because God himself sent you there. I want you to take that perspective on your leadership because leadership is something that is God entrusted to the human being. When Adam was in the garden, God gave him dominion over the whole earth. When Adam and Eve were blessed by God, the first parents, they were given dominion. He said, you know, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, right? Adam, till the garden, name the animals, right? Leadership is a, is a gift. It's, an Im it's a way that, that the human person, it lives in the image of God himself. God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He alone, we understand this, has full authority and dominion. But he shares that by allowing human beings to share in it 
in different ways. And one of the ways by which the human being shares in the dominion of God over this world is by work. Our businesses are places where God has placed us in order to make him known and to spread who he is and his love for this world into the world. I think the Second Vatican Council puts it in one of the best ways. It says that, the, that by the love that the human person shows to the world, the world knows that God loves it. I remember one time I was with this, this uh, woman who was a leader of a, a healing group for women who have had abortions. And I was asking her, how is it that you, you do that ministry? Because that can be so draining to work with women who have that level of brokenness. And the woman, you know, looked at me and said this beautiful phrase. She said, Father, I learned long ago, never tell a person that God loves you unless you love them too. And what she meant by that was that it was in her love for them that she found the strength. Never tell a person that God loves you unless you love them too. Meaning put yourself money where your, your mouth is. Put yourself where that message is. And, and that, that's a leader. And that's what leadership looks like in the workplace. We, we owe it to the world to tell the world that there's hope. We owe it to the world to tell the world that God loves the world, right? This is our message and our proclamation. And God's like, and I want you to do that by loving the world yourself. Now, you're not God, and I'm alone in God. How is it that I, who am not God, can love the world? And God says, well, love it in a way by giving it your talents, your strength, your innovation, your thoughtfulness. Build hospitals, build railroad cars with standard gauge railroad tracks, you know. Uh, issue laws to govern the, 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 the financial policies. Figure out computers and invent ATMs. The ATM celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. You know, like, I want you to become innovative yourself and make this world a better place yourself. And that's what we do. But doing that requires that we push this world forward from where it is now to a better place. That where there are problems, we solve them. Where there are needs, we meet them, right? Well, that means that we don't have the solution and we do have the problem and somebody needs to take us from problem into solution and that's you. Just look at it in the family life, right? Curveball after curveball. Every single day you have no idea what's, what the kids are going to bring, you know? You did not know how their personalities would develop. You did not know how they would, what, what challenges would lie ahead of them and every single day you go home and you just have to like face the fact that there's a whole nother world that's growing in the mind of that 13 year old, right? <laughs> and you're, and you're to the day like, I've got to figure that out. I've got to constantly turn and pivot and find a solution, which means that having a vision of where to go and how to get us there becomes essential for succeeding, not just in business, but in life. But it's definitely essential any time that we try to take this world from point A to point B. 
So the easiest thing to do is what a lot of people do, and that's just stop trying to take the world from point A to point B. It's kind of like all this pain will go away if only you just stop leading, right? <laughs> but that's just not, that's not an option, right? Uh, our kids are depending on us to lead. The moment that you stop leading your family is the moment that someone else starts leading your family for you. And do you really want that leadership? Do you really want someone else to be telling your kids who they are, what their dignity is, what they're made for? I don't think so. Do, do you really want someone else to step forward and fill your home with their values? Their values are driven by the market economy. It's a free market economy, which means it's a free market culture. Whoever wants to claim the culture will. I would hate to think that you as a father, you as a mother, are going to sit there and let someone else teach your kids about how to be a human being. Your kids are sponges and they're just waiting to see what will come upon them. You need to be that source of truth for them. Well, that requires leadership. It requires stepping up. Guys, it, it, our problem today is not that the kids are bad or that iPhones are everywhere. That's, the problem is not the iPhone, okay? The problem is not the iPhone. The problem is that your kids want to be on that iPhone so badly. And you got to say to yourself, why? What do they prefer to find there? And I'm telling you, it's because there they find leadership. There they find people that want to talk to them. Just think about it. You go on that phone, you're watching commercials that were crafted. You're watching videos that were made. You're watching people that are speaking excitedly. You're seeing people that are coming at them to say, give me your attention, give me your attention, give me your attention. The kid will go to the one who wants to be with him. That's leadership. And to be a leader, we need to accept to be men and women of vision. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. So to lead this world in the name of Christ and exercise the dominion that God has asked us to exercise, the very first thing that we need to do is know, have a sense some way or the other. Maybe we don't know it in fullness, but we have to have some place that we're taking people to, right? That's what we mean by vision. What was it that St. Peter had inside of him as he led the church? This great leader of the church, and he had to make great decisions, and he had all the pressure of the world on him, realizing, you know, he's the first pope. Talk about not wanting to make a mistake. Holy cow, you know. You imagine being the first pope, right? And imagine all the pressure that's on you. You're like, Jesus has given me. God himself sent his son. His son died for me. And then the son who, who died for me said this. Please govern the world in my name. You know, feed my sheep. It's such an incredible and a beautiful, right, responsibility. The friendship between Peter and Jesus must have been enormous. Would you have taken that responsibility if it was given to you? You know, a lot of people would. I mean, it's like, try being a priest sometime, right? It's a very small role. 
That's what a priest does. He, he shares in that incredible responsibility. Jesus has entrusted the church to him. And he's entrusted his people to him. And he said, feed my sheep. This is an incredible, like, courage to step up into that responsibility. And it's incredible intimacy with Jesus. You're my friend. And I entrust my bride, group, my bride to you. Will you watch over her and help her until I come back to claim her in full? I say Peter steps up into that role, but that does not mean he knows what to do spontaneously. He needs a vision. He needs to know what's governing. And the thing about St. Peter's vision that's amazing is from the very beginning, as he begins his very first proclamation on the day of Pentecost, his vision is all about heaven and all about God. And it is bold. When you look at how St. Peter addresses that crowd, he holds nothing back. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And he says it there, he says it again in Acts 3. Save yourselves from this wicked generation. Turn from your sins. He says that in Acts 4. Acts 2, 3, 4, same message. Peter says God has a plan for this world. He wants to pour his spirit out on his sons and daughters. He wants to bring his people into the fullness of who they are. God loves you enough to send his son to die for you. And you need to accept it. And if you do, you will walk a new life. You will chart a new course. You will be different from everybody else. And that this, like, you're like, wow, what a message. And Peter proclaims it boldly. He does not hold back. But what strikes me as amazing is that that vision that he has for the Christian community, it just seems at the same time so wise. Here's what I mean by that word, right? Smarts is the knowledge of facts. Skill is the knowledge of how to do things. Wisdom is seeing life as God sees it. And a wise person has the most important and powerful form of knowledge. There's nothing that can compare with wisdom. You know, what, what, am I, what are we supposed to do with our 14-year-old, you know? And you're like, uh... And you as parents, of course, you got to look at it that day, that year, how to govern that 14-year-old, lead them to become 15, where maybe they'll see things a little bit, you know, clearer, right? At 14, it's pretty much a boondoggle. But at 15, hopefully things will turn around. And so we forgive the kids, we love the kids, we walk with the kids, the kids are total jerks to us, you know, and yet we try to parent them through it because we know if they get to 15, there's hope. And then, and, and, and you've got to be that close to the facts. When you're running a, a small business, you don't know what the next quarter will bring, but you know what you got to do this quarter just to stay alive. And then sometimes you don't even know what you're going to do, but you'll know when you know, right? And that drives everyone around you crazy, especially your spouse. And they're, they come because they all come to me. They're like, oh, the business priest, father, let me tell you, you know. This guy is always just around the river bend. There's going to be the gold mine, right? I'm always six inches from gold, honey. If it's just this next swing of the shovel, you watch. Just this next thing, right? 
And the funny thing is, you're right. You wouldn't be in charge of your business. Your business wouldn't be successful if you didn't know something about what you were doing. But the fact is, you sometimes don't know how it is that you do it. It's just by instinct. And as frustrating as that, as that is, that's the way you've got to go. Vision is not always clear-cut and defined. People who think it is are usually people that don't have a lot of it. <laughs> Vision is often a, a, a headlamp in a dark valley trying to find your way through. St. Peter's vision for the church and what was guiding him as he led the church forward was a vision, though, that was fixed in God and had the perspective of what life was really all about. This guy was ready to die from the moment that the Lord's Holy Spirit came upon him at Pentecost, and it was just evident. He went out and made waves. He proclaimed to all the crowd defending the apostles and told them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Right off the bat, his preaching entailed that message that, hey, you either get it or you don't, everybody, and there's a vision and a plan for your life, and it's a vision and a plan that needs God, calls for God, is connected to God. It's your relationship to accepting the Messiah that will determine whether or not you fully embrace the plan that God has for you. And of course, that's not going to be accepted because everybody who doesn't accept the Messiah has just them, therefore found themselves put in a lower spot by St. Peter. And St. Peter doesn't seem to mind. He pushes forward with his bold proclamation because it's what he knows he needs to give to this world. That vision that drives him forward is a vision that is otherworldly. What is it that's driving you forward and why don't you trust it? Just like Simon Peter said, God put me on the face of this earth for this bold proclamation. And he moved forward in that vision, even though he knew the hardships that would come his way. You who are called to lead your families need to seize a hold of what is deep inside your hearts and say, you know what? This is what I want to give to these kids. This is what I want to bring to this world. This is what I want to do with my business and with my employees. This is where we need to go. It doesn't mean that you're hard-headed about it, but it does mean that you refuse to allow this opportunity to go by without giving the world what you know you're called to give, what you want to give, what your heart tells you to give. This is what Simon Peter shows us. This is how we also can lead today. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.